Education out of Brooklyn, New York, back in my old stomping grounds. Welcome, everyone, to this anniversary edition of Our Own Voices Live today. That's right. Marks another anniversary of us being on the air. We actually came on the air on 9-11. Who knew we would still be at it all of this time? Uh, normally, our own voices live comes to you every Saturday at 12:30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3:30 p.m. for those of you back east. Today we're on the air a little late. Uh, they have an actual celebration here in in Las Vegas uh, for military and veterans, and it's at the uh, Craig Ranch uh, Park, and they're celebrating the men and women of service at Nellis Air Force Base and Creech as well as just the military and veterans in general. So wanted to try to pay our respect to that, as well as do our anniversary show. And our show, uh, we have a live one today, as I believe they are every Saturday. And we're going to talk about some anniversaries, uh, one of them being the anniversary of Our Own Voices Live, but another one being tomorrow, the anniversary of 9-11. That's right, 9-11, 15 years later. I want to talk about that. What does it mean? Uh, You know, they say never forget, but have we already forgotten? And some people say, well, maybe it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, Let's let's get into that, discuss it and see. Uh, The other topic we're going to talk about today is, you know, the, or at least using the flag as, or protesting against the flag as a method, seems to be picking up steam. We know that there's a, a plan tomorrow for, I believe, a whole team to protest. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, should he? Shouldn't he? Uh, let's let's jump into that. Uh, and then, you know, we, we're talking about the protest of the flag, but if we have time, you know, there's a bunch of other protests going on. My co-host, Mrs. Thomas, talked about the protest, uh, uh, one of the uh, a very unique protests from Black Lives Matter, Matter, talking about the slave wages prisoners. Well, where do prisoners fall in the whole slave wager and the whole slavery debate? How about that? As we're talking about uh, Kaepernick protesting against the black. Uh, we know our Native American brothers and sisters are protesting in North Dakota with the uh, oil pipeline, uh, Standing Rock, uh, which is there's been a sort of a moratorium, an injunction against that uh, voluntarily, has been requested by the Department of Justice on the oil company to, to step back and give everybody a chance to take another look at this. But protesting is making some inroads. To what end and at what cost, to whom, I guess we can look at it. So those are some of the topics that we're going to try to get in today. And hopefully you won't just have to hear me. You'll have uh, my co-host to uh, throw some stuff in. And we're going to talk, like I said, about the sort of what is our own voices, why is our own voices. Uh, So that's some of the things we're going to try to hit on today. I hope you all will join us. I hope you all will tell a friend. You know, we're celebrating an anniversary. We don't have a cake or anything, but uh, 
you know, we, we're going to do it here, hopefully, with uh, edifying us and filling us with, with some knowledge today. So, as I said, uh, my co-host, Mrs. Thomas, who uh, basically was the driving force behind us starting our own voices live in the first place, is joining us today. She's going to give her very unique perspective on these things. And I say unique because sometimes she and I on the same page as in agreeing with things. Sometimes we don't. Maybe that's what makes this thing so live. Well, everyone, uh, Angela, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you, Rodney? Glad to be here. Happy anniversary, man. Happy anniversary to all our listeners. It's our anniversary. I guess we should be listening to um, the young man. What's the name of that group that made the anniversary song? It's our anniversary. Hey. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. Might be there the only is. song, only hit to chart that was about <laughs> celebrating an anniversary. Cool song, cool reason to celebrate. Anniversaries are important. Uh, you know, as you say, anniversaries are important. Part of our, you know, part of the theme of our show today is anniversaries, and we're talking about the anniversary of the show, but we also have the anniversary of nine eleven. Yeah. And at the gathering yesterday, we we kind of posed the question about the anniversary of nine eleven, and I have to admit, it was sort of lukewarm. Uh, there was a percentage of people who said that. Eh, it's another day, and, you know, it's something that happened and was significant, but we have to move on. And then there was another segment of the people who said, wait a minute, this was something huge. This was a modern-day equivalent of Pearl Harbor. And so what I asked is, I said, but I wonder how many young people even know what Pearl Harbor was. So as a child... Pearl Harbor was very prevalent in my life, but it was less than 20 years, like 15 years Mm -hmm. since Pearl Harbor. Well, what is it? You know, it's it's interesting. It's been 15 years since 9-11. And when I came into the world, uh, roughly, well, actually it had been about 20 years since Pearl Harbor, not quite. But it's it was very it was a very big deal to us growing mm-hmm. up. But what is it to our young people today, growing up and maybe not so young? And does it really make a difference on whether we remember Pearl Harbor or whether we remember nine eleven? And I I remember when I was planning for the show, I had just seen something that talked about remembering the Holocaust. And I saw all of the the likes and the support that it got. But for some reason, in America, do we still have that same reverence for anniversaries of what some would call major and significant events? What do you think? Um, well... For me, it's just a little bit different because I remember 9-11 as one of the scariest days for me because it involved worrying about the safety of my family. I think 
where you and I, um, sure, we observed Pearl Harbor, but, you know, we, 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 of course, weren't around when it, when it happened, and none of our, uh, well, none of my relatives, your, your, none of my relatives were involved in service, so we weren't impacted by Pearl Harbor. Uh, what's interesting about all of us being affected by 9-11 and, you know, as we observe the 15th anniversary of it uh, here in the Valley, we, we uh, this week observed as a community the loss of the uh, teacher's life that was, that was there um, during, in New York during 9-11. So, you know, I, I was a Chicagoan still when 9-11 happened, and it was just one of the scariest days to be a parent be a wife at the time that um, the first plane hit the towers, my husband had just left home. My kids had uh, left home a couple hours earlier, you know, going to school. And maybe not a couple hours, but at least an hour 30. So I'll, I'll round it up to a couple hours. Everybody was firmly entrenched in their commute or and or at their uh place of of education and uh, my husband was <clears throat> in transit to O'Hare airport where he was working at the time and I just remember frantically trying to reach them and not being able to and then my siblings calling me asking you know where was I get home, uh, I'm going to, you know, we we then started dispersing the cars to pick up various children and, and young people in our lives and where's mom and, you know, where's dad. Just, I just remember a mass dispatch of where's my family, each individual of my family. And it's crazy because uh, Chicago uh, was thought to be, a targeted city, and my brother worked um, near the Board of Trade, like right there, like next door to it, actually. He worked for a law firm right next door to the Board of Trade in Chicago, and they were evacuated. And it was under, you know, some, you know, different security uh, measures that they were of evacuated and it was it was just a scary day so i i don't remember uh any day ever being as scary as that day and then just to be in front of the television watching i i personally was in front of a television watching it unfold and looking at that first plan and saying man that doesn't look like a a little you know plane you know, one of the puddle jumpers. It didn't look like a puddle jumper. That looked like a real plane, and that is a real plane, and that doesn't look like a mistake. That looks like I remember um, saying to my mother-in-law, that looks like an attack. That that looks serious. I don't know. Uh, were you in New York at the time? or No, you were in service, right, Rodney? Well, I I I just remember um, 
mad dash for my children and my husband, my my um, birth family, my my siblings and I. We all um, did what we could to get the kids back home or or back to family safely. Um, we had young people all over all over the city that day, and it was just a tough day. I just remember it being a, a, a very tough day. So, you know, I I can appreciate that 15 years in, we are looking at it as, you know, just looking at it differently, thinking, you know, some of us even feeling like, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's September 11th, but it's, you know, I'm going to, I'm glad I can go on and not worry about anything, and, you know, it's just another day. You know, I I wonder if people even pay any attention to the fact that tomorrow is 9-11. Well, if they turn on any media tomorrow, they'll be paying attention to it. Well, this is true if they turn in media, but usually, so for, like I said, when we, when I was a child, Pearl Harbor, people talked about it. There was references to it. It was sort of the active part of our life. Mm-hmm. If, if you were an American, Pearl Harbor was significant and important. Sure. But today, you know, I just get a different feel, and, and going along with that, it also goes into what some of these protests seem to be about, especially with the Black Lives Matter. And they say, you say, remember 9-11, you say, remember Pearl Harbor, remember the Alamo, remember the Holocaust. But what about remember slavery? What about remember the, uh, you know, impact to a people? You know, we have protests up at Standing Rock, North Dakota, uh, you had spoken yeah. when we were doing the pre-show uh, discussion about the protest. What was it in Oregon with Black Lives Matter? Uh, yes, Portland yesterday was uh, thousands of protesters were uh, protesting in Portland, Oregon, um, against enslavement of prisoners and you know paying them a fair wage. They they actually were protesting for payment of of a decent wage, a real wage uh, for um, persons that are working uh, for corporations uh, but are also incarcerated. So when we talk about remembrances, if remembrances are not really important, and I know some of the people said that 9-11 had become so commercialized that maybe some of the meaning was whittled away due to that commercialism. And I, I, I thought about that, and I thought, yeah, you know, this is America. That's what we do. We figure out how to, how to make money. But it made me think about Halloween, a fairly, to me, obscure holiday when I was, you know, I mean, we, we did it, but... It was just in that particular time frame, and then it was over. And now Halloween is a huge mega holiday 
with I would say that's Vegas' favorite holiday. I mean, I have never been any place nor lived any place that celebrated Halloween as hardcore and as out loud and fervent and any other adjective you could come up with as Las Vegas does. And I know they call us Sin City and all of that good stuff, but, you know, Halloween makes me think, wow, they really take that seriously. I've never been any place where they settled, where, where, where Halloween is this big. I mean, it's big business here. Well, and it's big business across the country. You know, we That's have true, Christmas but I, I've never, I don't know. It seems to be bigger here. Maybe I'm just too Midwest. Well, no, it, it, I don't know. It, it may be, but I'm just saying that it, it's, um, it's become big across the country. Uh, it's That's become, true. Uh, next to, uh, I want to say next to uh, uh, Christmas and I believe Mother's Day. I think, ha- ha- in other words, Halloween is up there in uh, the, the top, Things I we believe, do. three celebrated holidays in this country. Uh, wow. From having whole house uh, makeovers like you would do for Christmas. You know, I, when I grew up, there was no such thing as Halloween lights. At most, you might have a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> with a candle in it, and that would I tell you. do a lot. So... I, yeah. The things have changed, and you know, change isn't necessarily obviously is not in it inherently bad, but things change. And nine eleven, tomorrow we're going to celebrate, you know, or and I don't even know if celebrate is the right word. Uh, memorialize, commemorate, uh, observe, remember, uh. if nothing else. But then, do we? Is it even that important to us to remember? And I want to weave in. Something that someone else said to me is they said, well, Rodney, you also have to look at this country in that it's made up of a bunch of people now who are actually not citizens of this country. He says, when you count up the number of people here, think about the number of people undocumented, whether it's because they don't want to be undocumented or they haven't been able to get their papers through yet through the bureaucracy, the system. But he said, you know, what it was pointed out to me was maybe the country isn't the idea of a unified body any longer. So these things that we think of as American holidays because people don't consider themselves American, that maybe it's losing a certain resonance because of that. Hmm. Uh, Think of African Americans. There is a movement where, you know, there's a, a large group of people that don't want to be called. They don't mind being called African, but they don't want to be called American. They go by Moors, Hebrew, Israelite, which there's a whole bunch <coughs> of names. Right? There's just a whole bunch of names. Right. And we represent, and of course it's not all the African Americans or black people, um, but it is a number. And we know that there's a bunch of folks who are just not citizens, whether they couldn't get their papers or didn't want their papers. And is that and that group is growing. How does that impact our sense of America and Americans? You know, one of the you know, we talked about Kaepernick and 
and the football player whose jersey is like the number one selling jersey, and the brother said that he's going to donate that money to charity. And everybody says, well, he's really serious if he donates the money to charity. Well, I guess that's one way to look at it. But his protest of the American flag because of what's happening to black citizens and others, but primarily black people in this country, uh, you know, there's going to be whole teams who are looking at protest, or at least one whole team looking at protest. The Seattle Seahawks are going to uh, all sit out the uh, national anthem at the game tomorrow in protest. Well, I mean, that it is in solidarity with Kaepernick and 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 protesting. It is our national anthem. Uh, but, you know, it's been revealed to a lot of people who didn't know that there's a stanza in the national anthem that is, um, you know, racist in nature. And why not protest something that came about and that had blatant racism in it? But then there's other folks that have suggested, well, maybe he should sit this one out because 9-11, you know, it wasn't just one group of people who, who died in the attacks, whether it was at the Twin Towers in New York, whether it was at the Pentagon in D.C., or whether it was in Pennsylvania in the fields uh, for Flight 93, and wherever else that people may have died on that day. And then all of the people who died since then supposedly due to the towers coming down. How does this play into that? And there's a you know, there's an active discussion. So, you know, we'd we'd love to hear the opinions of all of you out there on some of these topics today. And it's interesting how they sort of um roll into one. Uh, mm. you know, we can relate uh one topic to the next. Uh when when we have this discussion about the Anniversary of 9-11 Patriotism Because that's what a lot of these events Or even the event at the the park Today at at Craig Ranch Park This morning was uh, Had a lot to do about patriotism Well can you You know some people said that Kaepernick Was unpatriotic For protesting the flag Some people say not recognizing 9-11 Is unpatriotic And there's other people who say Wait a minute the most patriotic thing about being an American that you could do is protest. Yeah, well, it's freedom of speech, and that's something right. for those of us who serve. That's one of the things that we were willing to lay our lives down or spill blood for is so that people like Kaepernick, uh, or Kaepernick, excuse me, Kaepernick, uh, or even the Klan, so they had the right to their freedom of speech. So, yes, and, you know, when we talk about protest and patriotism, you know, let's not forget that uh, you were talking about the uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks. There was just a big protest, uh, I think you were telling me this earlier this morning, with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is being called a hate group because they're protesting police brutality. Is that a bastardization of hate groups? 
because someone is exercising their freedom of speech? How does that impact patriotism? So, you know, 9-11 is a patriotic day that we typically show respect to those who served and are fallen. Is it appropriate to also protest the flag that many of, well, that all of the fallen have fought in defense of? And and I, I just want to sort of clarify that it is not the flag itself, but it is the idealism that the flag is supposed to represent in spite of the fact that our national anthem that references the flag started out as a racist piece of poetry by a known racist and slave supporter, slavery supporter. So give us a call, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, press option one. I'd love to get, you know, your your take on, on this. It is a, you know, this is a big weekend for us. There's a lot, one of the things that was talked about at the gathering yesterday was uh, a couple of people at the table, uh, one gentleman uh, was about to move his office, according to him, into the towers before the towers had uh, come down. And, and huh. he reflected on what impact had he moved it a little sooner. Uh, right. There was a, another lady who had relatives that worked in the towers. And she talked about how emotional it was for her. Uh, my my aunt, uh, I couldn't find we couldn't find her for a while because she and I actually I misspoke yesterday. She didn't work in the towers. She went to work in Chamber Street uh, on the I believe it's the J train, J and A train. Okay, uh, is right under the tower. It's a uh, the train station and is underneath the tower, and oh, wow. uh, we we couldn't find her, and we didn't know what had happened to her. We didn't know. Uh, now, luckily, my aunt has a history of being late for work, <laughs> and on this day, thank goodness she was late, and you know missed it. But just as easily as she was late, you know she could have been on time and. She could have been caught. And I don't know if anybody remembers seeing some any pictures of the uh, train station afterwards. So, so I, I had a personal relationship with it, and also because of my wartime job. You know, we even though we act, you know, we typically think of the guard and reserve being activated to fight. Well, even active duty get recalled to base uh, when in a wartime situation like that, or some type of. Uh, national defense emergency or national security issue, and sure enough, and then sometimes our everyday job may not actually be the same as our wartime job, and though you do it similarly, you may do something slightly different, or you may actually have a, a totally different job. So I got activated for my wartime position, and that was a scary moment to when you're called and you're told, this is not an exercise. Mm. Just just those words alone. Because usually they say exercise, exercise, exercise. Well, I got called on the bat phone, so to speak, and it was a, this is not an exercise. You are directed to, 
uh, in my case, uh, report to the War Operations Center immediately. Um, that was, uh, even to this day, that still causes me to have a certain feeling. I never had that feeling before. And, I, you know, I was around for the Gulf War and all of that. And I remember when that happened. But even when those things happened, it wasn't like today when those planes hit the towers. So, once again, 347-826-9600. If anybody's out there and would like to chime in, share their experiences of uh, 9-11 and what, what does it mean to you? What did it mean to you at the time? Uh, one gentleman said that was the first time in his lifetime that people were just Americans. Mm-hmm. And I, I look back at it, and I have to admit, uh, you know, again, the Gulf War, it had a certain feeling, but even then, there didn't seem to be the unity. I mean, there was a lot of unity during the first Gulf War, but it wasn't like when 9-11 was hit, when those towers were hit, when the plane went down, when the Pentagon was hit. There was something different about that. And right. it was almost like everybody was their brother's keeper. For the first time, I felt as a black person in America, and hopefully this don't get me in as much trouble as it did the first lady, but for the first time as a as a black person in this country, I felt on equal footing as everyone else in this country. Very unique experience. And one, I must say, I have not had since then. Yeah, it faded. But um, it was quite a day for everyone across the country, especially those in New York City or with loved ones in New York City working in or near the towers. I I just can't imagine. I was worried for a few hours in Chicago where, you know, trying to round up family because, you know, if you remember, that was, you know, it wasn't real early in the morning. It was just early enough for you to be where you're supposed to be. And just, you know, as I said earlier in the broadcast, it's just the scariest parental experience I've ever had worried about where my kids were. It's a pretty crazy day in Chicago that day. You know, it's interesting you said that because I had to go to work and as I shared with the group yesterday, it was my first day off in 30 days and I was looking forward to sleeping in but for some reason I happened to wake up right before the first plane hit the tower. Wow. And I, the TV was on, and I heard it and sort of seen it, but it didn't resonate initially. Even though it didn't fully resonate because they had initially said that it was assessment. Now, obviously, assessment is a big difference. Between the 757 and 767, right? Yeah, I remember looking at that plane and saying, that don't look like one of those little puddle jumpers. That that looked like a real commercial. That looked like a big plane. I didn't say commercial, but that's what I was thinking because I had so much interaction with O'Hare Airport. All of my my adult, my my husband and his whole family and our kids, their part-time jobs were 
at O'Hare Airport. So, you know, I I guess when you work at an airport or you have a lot of interaction with the airport, you tend to know, notice a, a few things more about planes than the average person. And I'm speaking that to a, a my co-host, a, an Air Forceman. <laughs> Well, who probably you, when, I, it, when it resonated with you, you, it probably registered you. That is not one of those little puddle jumpers, for real. Well, that's actually what got my attention because when I heard them say it, that was bad enough. But then, you know, I'm thinking, oh wow, a plane hit the tower, and I'm thinking, you know, it's going to cause some damage. Some people might get hurt, even killed. But if it's a little Cessna, it's not going to bring. It. I mean, it was serious, but it was not great. But then, so, but then as I, you know, as I'm waking up seeing the plane, then I think, but that don't look like a Cessna to me. Yeah. Just like what you said, that don't look like a Cessna. That don't and look like one of those little puddle jumpers. Yeah. And that, that's when I actually, my eyes really got open. I'm like, what, what is this? What's going on? And right about that time is when I call it the bat phone, uh, when it rang from the War Operations Center. Uh, giving me mm-hmm. my wartime task. Now, just as that was happening, I'm thinking about that. My children, I had young children at the time. They had just left for school. And I was thinking about them. And at the, and a part of the second call I got was uh, we need to bring all of the aircraft that's in our airspace. We're recalling them to base. And my, you know, my regular job was being in charge of a good percentage of the ramp space at Nellis Air Force Base. And I'm thinking, well, where are we going to put all these planes? Compound what compounded that was, they said, oh, by the way, your civilian workforce are not allowed on the base. It's only military uh, essential personnel. They even stopped the school bus from coming on base picking up the, the children. Uh, In other words, it's serious business home. over here today. Yeah, basically it was like this is business, lock it down. And so I'm thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't because I don't know what happened totally. We know that happened, but I didn't know what happened other places, what was going to happen. So I'm thinking I need to give my children. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to give my children and thinking about that. I'm thinking about my aunt going to work, and I'm thinking about but they they recalled me to work. I got to go to the war operations. And by the way, I got to bring a, uh, I got to make a bunch of ramp space for an untold number of aircraft that belong to us and that in that in this area. Without the people who know how to do that, I got to round up some people. You know, it's just all of those things. All the tasks ahead of you. I better get up right, and get that. dressed. <laughs> and uh, you know, you 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 have to do that stuff. So you know that that's sort of my experience with it. So yes, nine eleven is a, a special day. Matter of fact, it was so special that we decided to start our first radio broadcast on. Uh, an anniversary of 9-11. Mm-hmm. And here we are today talking about 9-11 on Our Own Voices Live. 
you know, as Mother you, Dame. And, and if, if you all want to call in and talk about 9-11 and your experiences, by all means, do so. 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one to talk and, and share and relate your experiences of 9-11. Uh, this is the anniversary of Our Own Voices Live. If you want to comment about that. Uh, also, uh, we, we're going to talk about protests, starting off with the uh, flag protest with Kepernick with the uh, uh, with 49ers, and some of the other protests, uh, how you know that's going on in the country, and how this is, I say, relevant to 9/11 because it's patriotic. But I also wonder when we sort of dismiss or allow these big events like this to sort of fall off into the annuals, annals of history, does it change us how we are and how we see things? When we when we do remember them, how does it impact and change us? Is it good or bad? Uh, many people say that 9/11 now is so commercialized that hey. It's yeah, it's it's a day, but you know nothing to see here. Let's move on. Uh, somebody even said, I don't even see what 9/11 has to do with the military. Wow. Now that one, that one did stick. I, I didn't say anything. I just accepted it. But I was thinking, wow. So, because one of the things that they used to do sometimes, if you were flying across the pond, is depending on which coast you're on is they would fly you over or close to, before they, you know, you couldn't do it, over the site so you could see where the Twin Towers were. And it was sort of to remind those of us who were going to fight that this is why you're going to fight. This is why you're This is not any hole in the ground. This is not any, this this is it right here. Wow. So when someone says, I don't know if this even has to do with patriotism or with the military and how it's disrespectful towards the military. And I was thinking, well, I don't know if it's disrespectful towards the military. Because, I mean, I don't feel disrespected. That's, you know, I, I'm an individual. But it, I do see the correlation between 9-11 and the military. Look at the number of people who enlisted to protect their country. Because, again, we didn't know what was going on. And we didn't know the extent of it and who it was. A lot of people saw that, hey, we've been, my country has been attacked. My fellow citizens have been killed or injured. Angela, I can tell you one of the most horrific scenes I've ever seen in my life was people jumping off the tower. Wasn't now, that something? I don't know if you've Wasn't ever that been something? on the towers. But I, I have. I mean, that's a desperate act when you jump yes, off sir. the tower. Yes, sir. And you know, if if you can, if you had ever visited the towers, uh, please call in three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred and and just give us your thoughts on having visited the towers. If you ever visited the site, the the nine eleven site after the towers fell. Please call us at three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred because maybe it's time for us to you know not do what we normally do as Americans with history you know we 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 kind of you know short to say we have a short uh memory short attention span would be putting it 
mildly where history is concerned. Um, but maybe we should uh, raise the, the the memory of the Twin Towers and just get folks' um, opinion and remembrances of the Twin Towers and, and their experience with it because maybe what's happening here is that we aren't. You know, that's that's the reason why we created uh, – this platform not only was it named for the magazine, but the 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 title, our own voices. It's all it's never lost on me and Rodney that what's important here is not me and Rodney's voices, but for all of us to um, share information uh, to further understanding. That's the the root of why this show ever came to be in the first place. So you all are listening to Our Own Voices Live, Our Own Voices Live since you on Saturdays. At, we try to get it at 12.30 p.m. Uh, on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. all back east. And today's topic is, you know, we're talking about the anniversary of 9-11. We're talking about the anniversary of this show, as Angela mentioned, Our Own Voices Live. And we're going to also discuss uh, the flag protest uh, that sort of that's been led off by Kepernick and there's some other folks that have joined in, uh, and not just black people, not just African-Americans. You know, there was a, a white uh, a soccer player who uh, took a knee, and there's talk of a protest uh, tomorrow on 9-11. And that's why I put these topics together, because I thought they were related, uh, that's uh, planning on protesting the flag. So, yes, we'd love for you to call. And you can also go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and leave a message. You can go to Our Own Voices on Twitter. We'd like to know what you think about uh, all of these topics, and, and specifically the one that we just covered is the 9/11 anniversary. Well, Angela, you you mentioned it. You uh, this is the anniversary of our own voices, the radio show that sort of that came about partially because of 9/11. Why don't you share with the folks because you were definitely the person who saw this as uh, something that we should do and pushed uh, me to do it. Why did we, and you talked about it a little bit, but why did you think that this was really so important to do? And you were adamant about starting it right away. Why, why do you think it, you know, give, give the folks a little bit of uh, the background from your perspective on on the show. Well, you mentioned, we've, we both have mentioned over the years and just even uh, this year and throughout broadcast how uh, – Sam Smith brought us together, insisted that we get together, insisted that we meet one another and talk with one another. And when he did that, <laughs> it was uh, definitely one of his best brainstorms, I would say. <laughs> I joke. But uh, it was definitely um, a friendship that of, of significance. And the first thing we did was we had a conversation and we decided, we talked about uh, podcasting and, you know, I share with you why I thought it was important. And then we covered the uh, Black Mayor's Conference. And you and I had the distinguished privilege to be of a handful of uh, journalists at that event 
and I would say we were the only local journalists there. If, if Am I remembering that properly, Rodney? Weren't we the only me- local black media there? We, we were the only it. media that was um, covering it, Black me- local black media that was covering it full time. Uh, Ramon Savoy from the Sentinel Voice uh, was That's there for uh, For the press conference. Yep. Yeah. yeah but and a few other things. But we just could not believe all of the the great and important information that that we were um uh, experiencing there at that conference and just thought it was so important to tell the stories to give the information to share uh the opportunities that were coming across our desk left and right uh, you and I had an opportunity to to speak with Ms. Dorothy Hyatt that um, at that conference, and just being in the same space with her, both of all both of us were uh, <laughs> starstruck. Needless to say, but I did manage to get some questions out and and have a a conversation with her uh, that was, that is still deep and deep and impactful to this day. To both of us, for I mean, every time I think about it, it it, it brings about um, significance in in different ways. But I just felt that it was important that the mag when you share with me the purpose of you doing the magazine, that it it also had um, a, a a sister companion uh, as well that would afford us the opportunity to not just share what we plan to put uh, to page, but to expand the things that we would put to page um, in, in creating a platform where community leadership could come on board, community members could come on board and talk about the issues facing us as a as a group, specifically as, as members of the African-American community, but just members of community, period, um, we both believe that we have more in common than not. And maybe if we shared some of some of the information, history, and cultural exchanges uh, with one another, that we would begin to um men fences men men broken fences and build bridges uh, that was that was the purpose that you inspired in me to say darn it we need to do this and we need to do it straight away cuz you know you don't want paralysis of analysis to sit in and I, I know I can definitely <laughs> be fall victim to that but it it was it was just the urgency of now to get to get this done and get it get it get it underway. So much so that on our first broadcast, I had just had a broken ankle repaired, and I I I mean literally hours before uh, we broadcast, I had had surgery, and well, I didn't want to leave Rodney hanging. I felt really bad, and uh, physically. But I felt bad that I had charged you up 
and and pushed you out there, and the mic and lights was on, and you you were uh, excited, but then you weren't excited when you like, what you have a surgery now? <laughs> but uh, we we worked it out. It was very interesting. I didn't think that I would be able to contribute much, but apparently, you know. Thank God for pain like, medicine. She, she couldn't break her ankle some other time. She had to pick out to break her ankle. <laughs> so now's the time to break the ankle, huh? Huh. <laughs> but we got it done, and and we both had a a a good time, I would say, and we both found it interesting enough, and we have been, you know, excited to be here every Saturday since. So. Happy anniversary to you, Mr. Smith. Good work. And happy anniversary to you, Mrs. Thomas. Couldn't have happened and would not have happened. Let me just put it that way. Would not have happened had it not been uh, with your support, encouragement, insistence uh, to do it. And when you did come back, when you did come to the show that day, and I guess one of the things I can say for me what that did was other than the heart that it showed. But it also showed a level of commitment. And I had experienced things in the past where people had come up with ideas that was it was going to be me and them, but it was their idea with me helping them. And this was one of those times when uh, when you you know, when you basically you showed up at a time where you would have been perfectly reasonable to not show up. And that's when it says, okay, this is serious to answer. So even though it wasn't, I wasn't planning on having a leading role in the show per se, I knew that, all right, if I need to hold this thing down until she comes, you know, can get healthy again, plus she here with a broken ankle, just had surgery. So I know I can, I can at least do this. And, you know, here, you know, here we are. Here we are. You know, all, all of these years and still trying to make it happen this year. I'll admit I fell off a little bit. Uh, due to, you know, I, many of you may not know I ran for Congress this year. Uh, we're going to talk about that on one of these upcoming shows. Ooh-wee, that was inexperienced. But, uh, so I had to take some time out. And, of course, uh, unfortunately I had a car accident shortly after my congressional bid was over that I'm still dealing with. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to figure out how to keep this head from hurting so I can keep on sharing with you all because the more I try to focus on the show, the more my head hurts. And that's a direct result of the accident. But again, if Andrew mm-hmm. can be here after surgery with a broken ankle, then I should be able to deal with a headache. And I'm, I'm learning how to be able to do stuff without focusing on it as much. Right. Uh, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do because, you know, you want to focus on whatever you're doing, but if I, the more I focus, the more it hurts, the more it hurts, the less I'm able to focus. So I'm trying to find a balance in it, bringing back some of my old um, training from back in the day. Hmm. Uh, oh, and, you know, before I forget, this has not been an enterprise of just Angela and I. Our own voices live was. But then Brother Thomas Berry out in Minnesota started Rant Radio. Hey. And that was as a result of him uh, hearing uh, our own voices live. And uh, and then there's, you know, Angela had her own show. Uh, 
a needle on the record, uh, which, you know, was a, a more pop culture and how its impact and influence not only locally throughout the nation and the world. And then uh, Brother Lee Vaughn started a show and still has his show, and it's going on out in the B-more area, uh, real radio, radio established mm-hmm. to address life. Uh, from that, uh, there's been a couple other, well, a few other people who have been uh, either guests on our show and or started their own shows on our network through us that now have gone off and done things independently, uh, whether it's uh, a couple of relationship shows, one locally and one in Minnesota that sort of got its start here. I'm not saying I founded them or anything, but, you know, we're the ones who got them aired here. Uh, There's a a couple other shows that have started because of here. So, you you know, one can uh, create others, and then you, you know, you expand from there, and hopefully you make it better, and you try to reach those people that you have a voice to reach. So that's been some of the impacts of, our own voice live. Big shout out to Roger Harris. Uh, Roger Harris uh, from uh, uh, Florida, uh, a, I believe a, a Phantom U graduate, for knowing a bunch of other Phantom U graduates and yeah. giving us some quality guests on the show. As a matter of Absolutely. fact, Roger, we miss you, man. We do. Uh, but, you know, so we've had. Uh, some folks on the show. We've had some stories on the show. We've had big shows. We've had shows where I think it was me and Angela talking, you know. But <laughs> we've had all kinds of shows, and like you know, I guess that's what happened. And to the tune of so. over a hundred thousand listens, um, which is huge. And and you know, it's it's much more now. But we celebrated our hundred thousand listen. Was it last year? Or was that earlier this year? I think that was last uh, year. It, it was actually uh, the about the same time as we celebrated uh, last year's show, uh, shortly after we reached our mark. So, I mean, it has been a long um, journey, and I've enjoyed a lot of... Uh, Exciting interviews. A lot of big people have been on this platform. Uh, Nina Turner, uh, Allison Wims. We've had a lot of very awesome gifts, uh, gifts given to this platform. And this is year nine, yes? Uh, actually, I was looking. I was like, you know, we're doing an anniversary show, and I need to find <laughs> out because I want to make sure my my finger count was right on just how many years it has it's been, been. Uh, since we started the show, and, and I wanted to make sure that I was I was accurate when I gave it because, you know, again, this goes back into well, just how important are anniversaries? Are they really significant? Is it? You know, so we like to think of them as milestones. Well, are they really milestones, or is it just another day? Is it just another episode? I like to think that it's more than just another episode. I uh, tell you, you. Know, we started out 
in, uh, I believe it was 2010, with the show. And it's 2016 now. And now yeah. that we had started out a little before then, but, you know, we, we've been on the air for solid six years. Uh, that Jeez. is a long time uh, to do any one thing. But yet, we have done it. And we are here. And hopefully, we will continue uh, to be here and continue to build on uh, what we started. And, you know, hopefully you all will help us because, after all, it is here for, here for you. Uh, the magazine, Our Own Voices, has been going on longer, which is where we got the concept for Our Own Voices uh, live. So, and I really would like to do something uh, with that, uh, being able to highlight some significant figures in our local community. Uh, Angela talked about some of the notables that we met at the Black Mayor's Conference and the impact that that had. I remember the young lady that we met that was doing the documentary called Afro-Latina, which at the time was, you know, that was breaking ground. But yeah. we met her. We did the interview on that, and she's actually from New York, and she's an activist there. And the, the history that she was able to provide and showing the relationship between the, uh, the Caribbean, the island communities, Africans and African Americans, you know, that's really important work. And it draws a correlation between us as a people. We just had the Olympics for the first time in a uh, African diaspora country in Brazil has the largest concentration of Africans outside of Africa, and that includes that in New York. Uh, excuse me, in the United States. So, you know, there's a lot of significance that we've been able to talk about uh, on the show. So, thank you all. Thank you, Angela, for for having the show. Another brief station ID. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you on Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast, and that is 3.30 p.m. It'll be 3.30 out east. Yeah. And uh, today our topics are the uh, 9-11 anniversary, which is tomorrow. Uh, Also talked about, I just got to wrapping up the discussion on the anniversary of our own Voices Live, how 9-11 9-11 actually brought that about. And then we wanted to move into uh, the flag protest uh, with um, Kaepernick from the uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers and tie that into some other protests that are going on, like with the Native Americans at Standing Rock in North Dakota. Uh, there was a Black Lives Matter uh, protest in uh Portland? Oregon, right, Angela? Yeah, up in Portland. Um, so um, take it away. I I just which part are we going into? We're going into Kaepernick. Let's do the 
Yeah, let's do the, the Kaepernick and then let's um, roll that into the other one. Well, um, I admire his courage for standing for something. And at the time when he started it, you know, his platform isn't wasn't as big as it is now. Let's face it, we had not a lot to, you know, he his name was not on the on the tip of sports reporters uh tongues and I like what he's inspired amongst uh the country though to even be discussing um the national anthem and you know folks finding out that it it it, it could be the the greatest diss song of all time uh certainly one of the most famous uh diss tracks of all time as my hip hop heads would would say so you know protests sometimes require um, you to stand at a time where it, it it may not be popular to stand. So I'm okay if he continues tomorrow. And from what I hear, the Seattle Seahawks are planning to sit out tomorrow. You know, he's uh, been joined by some other players, as I mentioned, from the, uh, I believe it's the Women's Soccer League. Uh, there's a young yeah. woman who took a uh, There was, you know, he's interesting. I don't know if people realize it, but uh, I believe a former Special Forces uh, service member came out and stood next to Kaepernick as Kaepernick took a knee, and this service member stood with him uh with his hand over his heart in respect to the anthem and the flag. And what I thought was very important about that was he said, although I do not agree in taking a knee or not showing respect to the flag, as a service member, I support his right to do it. And that is part of the reason why I serve is so that we could have these types of freedoms in this country which separates us and has separated us from the rest. And Mm -hmm. so you had a former service member, Special Forces, standing with his hand over his heart, and you had Kaepernick taking a knee. And I believe there was some type of embrace to show that, you know, we, we serve differently. Some people, and some people say, well, it's easy to, you know, the guy's getting paid, I, I believe it's $9 million or $19 million. You know, it's it, it's easy for him to say he want to protest something, but compared to a service member who possibly put his life on the line and may have had to take a life for two or three or four, right? And I, I understand the comparison, and, and I'm not saying it's, it's not a, a fair comparison, but the Constitution doesn't say that it has to be this level or that level. It says that everybody has freedom of speech and that we have 
the freedom to protest. We have the freedom to assemble. And he exercised that right. So for that service member, and, you know, the military is the military. But we do tend to hold special forces up to another notch, right, and, and our special operators. So I thought it was significant that this guy, and it was a white guy too, or at least it appeared to be of European descent, who was mm-hmm. standing next to Kaepernick taking a knee and saying that, I, do I don't, I'm not going to do that. I support his right to do it, and as a military member, I support his right to do it. Now, if you contrast that to Bill O'Reilly, who says it's, who agrees that America hasn't been what it says that it is and what its flag is supposed and the national anthem that we do uh, sing and, and recite says that it hasn't always been that he thinks it's disrespectful. Now I just happen to use him because a lot of people have his same uh, concept and he and I noticed that all of them say with what this country gave well first of all the country did not give me anything country didn't give me nothing. These are, it says, inalienable rights, God-given rights for those who believe in God. So if that is truly the case, the country didn't give me, Kaepernick, or the special operator anything. Those were things that our creator gave us that this country just happened to articulate. So that would be the first comment to Bill. And then the second comment is they always tend to talk about, well, with the money that Kaepernick made or the money that Brandon Marshall from the Denver Broncos made that this country has given him. Again, he earned that. They earned that. The young soccer player, uh, she earned it through her skills, through their skills and expertise. They earned that. They weren't given anything. And I, I think that's important to state. Now, do I think, because we did ask the question, should he take a knee tomorrow? If he wants to take a knee, it's his right to take a knee. Sure. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Now, I also asked the question, how do you think this will help or hinder the cause by taking a knee or not paying respect to the flag? on a day like 9-11, and especially a day where we uh, remember the fallen uh, during the attack and the 5,000-plus in the war since. And maybe that's why I sort of go to, well, I'd like for him to take a day off. But I also understand that people say, well, consistency is important. And I was wondering, what, what were your thoughts on Consistency is important. I just think when you start down the this road, you probably should continue. I I'm not sure what the impact will be. We'll have to see, you know, what the impact will be. With all of the protests, uh, we're we're uh, right now looking at 
Ferguson, the some of the fallout of Ferguson with uh the young activist uh shot and you know, car set on fire. Who knows? Hopefully nothing that extreme. But as we know, the history of protesting for uh, the rights of black pe- black people, um, you know, death has come. Not saying it will, you know, anything will happen to Mr. Kaepernick, but I think he should remain consistent, and I would not be upset if he set out tomorrow. You know, protests come in all fashions, and as many of you trackies know, uh, this week was an anniversary for Star Trek. I believe it was the 50th anniversary for Star Trek. Yeah, we have a big um, conference here in Las Vegas for all the trackies. I myself stopped last week and got my commemorative Commemorative uh, lipstick from Mac. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> I know it's, it's I know it's important. It's important to to observe and celebrate with the trackies as a as well, a fellow trackie. Well, here's the interesting thing: Do people know that Dr. King was a trackie? He was a follower. A lot of people of don't know that, but he was a fan of the Star Trek program. On the air for only three years, but you know, he 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 enjoyed it. Now he had a unique twist on the show. A lot of folks don't understand that Star Trek was a part of the social movement against white supremacy back in the day. Yeah. Star Trek, with uh, Gene Roddenberry as a creator, was actually a media tool. Designed to, to a certain extent, show the hypocrisy, and it was able to do it because it was science fiction and not nonfiction, right? Mm-hmm. So back in the when this show came on again in my, the early stages of my life, we were talking about Jim Crow earlier. Jim Crow was in full effect, and it full was not effect. the norm for blacks and whites to be able to be on the screen at the same time or have relationships with, you know, positive relationships or to be seen as equals and in some cases superiors. And Lieutenant Uhura, played by Nichelle Nichols, Yay. was a bridge officer on the flagship of the Federation. That was a pretty, that was a very bold statement. She was on the command staff. That means she had authority over authority. a bunch of other people, which of which they were white. That was men and of. white men at that. Yeah. So she not only did she break ground racially, but also gender ground. From a gender perspective, yes. Huge, and when she was ready to leave the show. You know, it was Dr. King who, she says, is responsible or helped her make a decision 
to stay with the show Not to. because mm-hmm. he told her of the important work she was doing in the civil rights movement. So protests and actions can really take many forms. And Uhura really is a living legend of the civil rights movement today, as I believe as far as shows go, Star Trek played an important part in that movement. So when we talk about Kaepernick doing this, maybe this is the thing of today, as Star Trek was the thing back then, obviously not as overt as Kaepernick. But then, you know, Angela, you mentioned the the young man. I think he's like the sixth person that's found shot. He's the sixth uh, one shot and and burned, yeah. In In the St. Louis Missouri. Well, in the Ferguson area. Well, so not, so you have that, and then you have, you know, the thing that's going on, a protest with uh, a presidential candidate having an arrest warrant issued on a Jill Stein for helping the Native Americans protest a pipeline in their sacred ground in North Dakota uh, with dogs and his videos. And obviously pictures it, it is reminiscent of the 60s uh, Stephen said of black faces as Native American faces Some people say they want to We the are right but Absolutely We are right now today uh, With no with, with very little I did see MSNBC uh, Since since we've gotten on air date I saw I didn't hear the story But I did see That they were reporting on it But we This is the largest Native American protest In the history of America Going on right now and we have very little media attention on this issue. I myself was not even aware of it until Sister Ashanti came to the gathering and raised our awareness at the gathering about this issue, the pipeline, and the Native community being violated. You know, every treaty, every single treaty America has ever done with the Native Americans, they have violated Every one of them. So, so we have that. <laughs> Every going one on of now. them, Rodney. So, for those in our in a, of our community that uh, are observing the Black Lives Matter and thinking that sovereignty and sovereign land is going to, you know, be impactful to us, I I I present the Native Americans with sovereignty and sovereign land and every treaty, everything that the United States has agreed upon that was theirs, they violated. And and I hope that 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 point that Angela just made um, resonates. Because we hear, well, if we just had our, you know, we're going to get our own land and we're going to do this and that, we're going to have our own community. Well, Native Americans have that. And Angela, you know, makes a good point and highlights it just because you have it. First of all, you're still in America. And you subject to American laws, uh, rules, authority. So just because you have it, that don't mean somehow everything is great. And then, Angela, you pointed out, uh, you know, the issue with that protest with Black Lives Matter in uh, uh, Oregon. That and this is one that I didn't know about. And I think this is significant too because this hits us right in our constitutional pocket. You want to break that break that down for the folks? Well, they are protesting. This protest was significant to me when I heard what they were protesting 
about. They were protesting the ending of slavery, um, slave because for for incarcerated brothers and sisters to be paid a fair wage for the work that they do instead of the pennies on the dollar for the work that they do for great goods that you and I buy at some of our favorite uh, stores and um, places of business is, is brought to us due to prison labor. Now, a lot of you don't realize, or maybe a lot of you do, but there are a lot of people that I've encountered that did not realize that the 13th Amendment has a look slavery, it abolished slavery except where it concerns and pertains to prisoners and imprisonment. It's okay to enslave you as if you are a prisoner in the United States prison system. So um, they were protesting yesterday, thousands, and it got very heated and great deal of contempt. So may you live in interesting times. And we do. We do. We absolutely live in interesting times. Well, maybe this is why reading is so fundamental to everything else that we do. Because when you read the Constitution, it's quite clear that the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery through incarceration. And I find this interesting when we have Hillary Clinton and the Clintons calling Donald Trump a racist, almost fascist, and some of the other terms that they use outright and suggest when they're responsible for incarcerating more African Americans than any other time since we were African in this country. And it's like, well, I don't know what, you know, whatever Donald Trump has done, did it really impact as many people as you all have? Because going by this protest, you put more people into this slave system, a modern-day slave system, than any other president in the history of this country. Hmm. Come on, somebody. Slavery was abolished, but... Do, do we not see that? Are we so? And we like to dance Trump? around this. We we like we like to dance around this and say, well, you know, less of two evils, and you know, I don't know, man. Yeah, well, this I've always big. said evil is still evil, but yeah. But, so we <laughs> wanted to bring some of these things to your attention today because protests take many forms. This country was came about because of a protest. Have we forgotten that? I mean, the the Tea Party and and the uh, export companies. Did we forget mm-hmm. why we why we are America? Those Americans didn't stand by. They went, stole some tea, didn't belong to them, dumped it out in the water, and then tried to blame it on Native Americans, as we talk about standing rock. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Which ultimately led to the creation, the, you know, the, the war and the creation of, of this country that we 
talk about we don't want people protesting. I mean, has anybody realized that? that we were founded on protest. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that we got that out. And, you know, today is, uh, I know everybody has stuff to do, but we did want to take some time to sort of reflect on our own voices live and how we got here, which was because of 9-11, which we are about, or many, are going to uh, have memorials to tomorrow. Uh, it also led to the discussion of uh, Kaepernick and his protests along with other protests and how these things impact, uh, are in, impact one another and inter- interrelated, really. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to spend a little time t- talking about that, sharing that with you uh, today. Hopefully there was something in here uh, that sparked your interest, your attention. Maybe you'll do a little research. Um, should prison inmates be paid a fair wage? We're talking about $15 an hour for people who are not in jail, but people who are in jail, pennies on the dollar in many cases. Uh, think about that. And many of them never get out of that system. Here's a statistic for you. Roughly 70%, I believe, of people who were in the foster care system, black, wind up in the penal system. Look at the number. I made a post, Angel. I don't know if you got a chance to see it yet, but I made a post about the percentage of people in jail, of the roughly 2.4 million people in jail. Uh, I believe it's 70% of them who are African American, which is is about 60% of the uh, prison population, about 70% of them are mentally ill. Wow. What is the impact of mental illness and trauma to our people, whether it's something from slavery or the trauma of modern days? Uh, my homegirl, Jess Flo, with the brothers from the mosque, went on a uh, a walk to get a feel of what some of the community needs. And one of the communities they went to, the children, the young people, they talked about death like it was an everyday occurrence, as if it wasn't that big of a deal. How does that impact the psyche of our young people who grow up to become older people and have more younger people? How does that impact us? Because there's nothing physically wrong with them, but the environment that they grew up in had a lot wrong with them. How does that impact them and their outlook on life and living and being a member, a citizen in this country? You know, um, our initial conversation, there's a a debate, I won't say an argument. Sometimes we could get testy and 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 it appears that we're arguing, but we're not. We're just continuing our long-standing debate on is life imitating art or is art imitating life. This week I experienced a good example of art imitating life. There was the premiere of a new television show called Atlanta, starring Childish Gambino. All of my hip-hop heads know who I'm talking about. Childish Gambino, to you, Rodney, you know, you don't listen to hip-hop. So the young guy uh, who also is a great thespian, it turns out. Not only can he bust a rhyme, but 
he is one of the premier uh, actors today. Anyway, the show is called Atlanta, and what I found profound, not just interesting, but profound, this show deals with the current situation of the black male in America right now. And it's set to fictional, you know, this is a scripted program, and it's three young men. Uh, Childish Gambino is one. Uh, his cousin is another. And their rather uh, unusual friend uh, as they go along in this journey, uh, the cousin is becoming a a rap star off a of mixtape, and he, Childish Gambino, is without uh, work, meaningful, uh, gainful employment, and it just intersects. It, it shows how young black males are impacted by. You know everything that's intersecting in their life right now the the violence, the rap music, just uh the incarceration, but you know this week's episode one of, they premiered too one of the episodes he he went to jail uh he and his cousin ended up in jail, you know the county jail not not real prison or anything, but there was a a character there who was mentally ill. And, you know, apparently this guy's there a lot. And Childish Gambino's character questioned, why is it okay that he's here every week drinking the toilet water? Why is that okay? So, you know, it's, it's it's interesting content coming up right now that is, you know, it's a little dark humor, but you know, a little little humorous. But it was a very thought-provoking program, and I, I encourage uh, folks to check out the the episodes of uh, Atlanta. I'm I for one am excited to see what the rest of this uh, season will entail, uh, and, and what. You know, just how they're going to develop the storyline. It was just really interesting to me that that they were paralleling all things that are going on with young black men in America right now in this storyline. Very interesting. I wanted to update the uh, statistics I gave you. Sixty percent of kids in the juvenile justice system have been diagnosed with a mental health or substance use disorder. 60%. Now, we always say children are our future. Well, think about the future with that 60%. 90% of kids involved in the system have had some kind of traumatic event exposure. 90%. So when you think about Sister Jess Flo going in that community with those children who talk about death as if, you know, I I see it, it happens. You think about that. How is this changing the outlook of these people who are going to be adults and raise children who may be Mm -hmm. raised around other people who have 
those same traumatic experiences. Sure. You know, mental health in this country and mental health treatment, whether, you know, there's a lot of talk about the service member. Well, heck, we don't even properly treat the service member that we've made a sacred oath to treat. So now you have many children from poor, impoverished communities that are making up the bulk of our uh, juvenile justice system who in turn become adult criminals and make up the uh, adult criminal system. And then if you add on the statistic I gave you earlier, about 70% uh, from foster care getting into the juvenile justice system, we have a mechanism, mechanisms today that lead our future into a dead end. We have mechanisms today that leave our future into a dead end. You know, just a little bit off topic, and this just keeps popping back up in my in my mind as I encounter all of these stories and statistics and just, you know, what's going on currently. A um, hundred people are more in this country are more wealthy than 90% of the bottom of this country's population 100 people Mhm That's crazy that you know you just can't help but wonder how does that lead into all of this. Just, there's just a lot going on. Well, we could go on and on because and on there's and no on. shortage of topics. You know, we didn't even touch on, and I know people tend to want to ignore it, but I don't understand why. The number of people that were, that were shot and the number of people that were killed in Chicago. Uh, we don't even talk about Detroit because even though it's a large number, apparently it's not as significant enough to discuss it, which is another issue is because it doesn't, 100 people weren't killed. You know, it doesn't make the news or, or shot. And, you know, when we think about, I believe it was 22 children were killed at Sandy Hook, 22. And how many children were shot and or killed in Chicago over the Labor Day weekend, Angela, do you remember the number? I don't. And, you know, I I just can't. I'm, I'm on the heels of my first visit home in, in eight years, and I share with you and the listeners uh, enthusiastically um, how much hope and encouragement I saw in the city, how much change I saw in, in this city since... I was last there, and to um, hear this week that 500 deaths have already occurred in that city where I, you know, I went to the heart of the west side and the south side while I was home, where these things, excuse me, are absolutely occurring and um, are of national uh, concern and it's just mind-boggling both in, both ends of it 
both ends of it is mind-boggling, to be surrounded in that city by so much uh, progression. Chicago's always been an, a great city. Um, and to go back home and see how much they've improved upon things, even in the neighborhoods that all of this death and um, national sadness is going on, is is, is um, coming from, I still saw, uh, I was sharing with, with folks at the gathering that, you know, it it was regular all my life to walk past places that had not been up and functioning since, and these are homes as well as businesses, since uh, Chicago rioted after uh, news spread that Dr. Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Uh, my city rioted, and those businesses never came back. Those communities never came back. We walked past those places for all of my life, honestly. Burnt out, broken windows, torn up. But when I went back this summer, so many of those communities had begun to, um, well, actually hadn't begun, at, were well past the beginner stage of, of having been rebuilt and thriving businesses there, um, homes, you know, a lot of new homes in places that were vacant lots because they had been burnt out and destroyed. And over time, uh, the city came in and, and demolished them. So, you know... All I can say is continue to pray for my city. We definitely need it, but, you know, we got to come up with a solution to to what's going on in Chicago, um, but, you know, across this country. Black communities are, are suffering from the, the, the same issue, black-on-black violence. Look at uh, Dwayne Wade in my city. His His cousin was cut down, pushing her, you know, new child, young child in the stroller um, in that city, in the the city where the latest uh, presidential library will begin construction soon, Um, right in that same community, you know, hundreds of people have had to lay their, their their family members to rest. Little Hadia uh, family lives not far from where the new presidential library will be erected. So, you know, I don't know what to say about this. Well, we have a lot of problems in the country. We have a lot of great things that happen. There's no doubt about it. But at some point, the problem may overcome the great things. Because sure. now, as I'm with some of the stats we talked about, this is attacking our children, our young people, are supposed to be our future. And if mm-hmm. our future is, if the majority of our future is a dead end, that means that there's just a minority of those young people who will become productive Americans. 
well, can America stand as just a fraction of itself is pulling the weight? So, or how long will it be before the majority starts to pull it down? So these are things that those they may start out in the African American community. I always say the African American community is a harbinger of things to come for in America, America in general. Well, yep. the bells have have been rung, the gongs have sounded. It all comes down to what are we, and that's each one of us. What are we going to do? Because it will take us to change it. You all you know, have been listening. Oh, go ahead, Angela. I, you, I was just going to say, you're, apt, you're hitting a nail on the head. I think what it's coming to is that we're beginning. We're at the beginning of us realizing that we are the hero we've been waiting on, and you know, we're taking it more seriously and taking it on. So you've been listening to our own voices live. I am Angela Thomas. You are also listening to my co-host, Mr. Rodney Smith. This is our anniversary edition, folks. We started on September 11th. Um, Tomorrow we'll observe our 15th, September 11th. Uh, If you would like to join in the conversation, please dial us up at 347-826-9600. We come on at 1230. Well, we try to come on at 1230. Um, on the West Coast, and that's 3.30 out east. So, you know, join us. And you can always go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook, Our Own Voices uh, on Twitter. As my aunt would say, on the Twitter. (laughs) On the Twitter, in in the Internet. In the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) And you can can do that and join us and continue, continue the conversation. There's a particular show or topic you would like to help us discuss or want us to bring up, uh, you can send it to Our Own Voices live once again on Facebook as well as Our Own Voices on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Well, I think that that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully there was something that we said that somehow impacts you into thought, talk, and action. Angela, go ahead and close us out. Happy anniversary, Rodney. Happy anniversary, Our Own Voices listeners. Um, Let's make it a a great new year. Uh, Also, I would like to say happy birthday to my grandson, who turned eight years old today. Oh, wow. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. And, Angela, you know, before I go, I was saving this, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Got to send a big shout-out to Brother Lee Vaughn. A couple of days His ago, birthday had a was birthday, yeah. and a uh, young man is not the young man that I knew in his early 20s when I first met him uh, a while, about 20 years ago in Korea, uh, I guess over 20 years ago now, in uh, South Korea. We are both serving there at Kunsan Air Base, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the young man has uh, got, got some whiskers on him now, had some wisdom. So big shout out to you. Uh, Brother Lee for doing the thing there on the East Coast, and hopefully we'll do our thing out west. And if everything works out, we'll meet someplace in the middle. I tell you, happy birthday, Levon. Levon also uh, shares a birthday with my daughter and my granddaughter. Happy birthday to Amaya. I mean, Amira, 
Amaya, Amira, and Anissa, <laughs> all of them shared birthdays right in the same time. Uh, so, you know, Virgo season is upon us. My dad's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Daddy, and happy birthday to my grandson, Aiden, today. Wow. Must have been cold yeah. no TV going on. So- I tell you, that the September, my whole entire September is blocked up with birthdays. It's crazy. And, <laughs> oh, and Dag, you know what? Big shout out to my uncle. Uh, whose birthday is today? I'm gonna give him a call a little bit later. Oh wow! Uh, happy uh, happy birthday, Uncle. Uncle Robert, yes, and uh, Uncle Robert. Our late aunt. Her birthday will be in three days. So, wow! Uh, Virgo season, uh, I tell you, <laughs> they're beautiful people. Yes. Happy birthday to yes. all my Virgos. <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, we'll see you. See ya. All right. Bye bye.